Do you know what type of doctor you want to be? With over 160 medical specialties and the rapid pace of medical school, choosing your final path in medicine can be challenging. MedicMap is here to help. Each episode features an interview with a practicing physician across a broad array of specialties and backgrounds. Tune in to discover the insights these professionals have to offer and to get all the juicy details to help you map your career in medicine. Happy listening! Hello everyone and welcome to MedicMap, the podcast that explores diverse medical careers. I'm your host, Sharon Parapoli-Joseph, and today we will be exploring a career in neurosurgery with our special guest, Dr. Michael Yang. Dr. Yang is a distinguished neurosurgeon and an expert in spine surgery based in Calgary. He received his MD at the University of British Columbia and completed his neurosurgery residency at the University of Calgary. He also holds a Master's of Science in Health Services Research and completed a clinical fellowship in complex, minimally invasive spinal surgery at the University of Miami. If you're looking for an individual who embodies the concept of being a leader in medicine, look no further. Dr. Yang is a member of the Enhanced Recovery After Surgery Society, or ERAS Society in Calgary, and he has been leading the development of the ERAS program through his major contributions, such as the development of the first ERAS guideline for lumbar fusion surgery. Beyond these works, his research efforts focus on enhancing perioperative outcomes and improving pain control after spinal surgery, and this has been recognized internationally. Dr. Yang's innovative approaches and unwavering commitment to advancing patient care has solidified his position as a prominent leader in medicine. Please join us as we delve into the career of Dr. Michael Yang. Hi, Dr. Yang. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an honor to have you on the show, and I'm excited to hear about your journey. So why don't we start with uh, you telling us a little bit about what you currently do and what your journey has been like in medicine? Oh, very good. So I'm a neurosurgeon by training, but I've developed a special interest during residency in spinal neurosurgery. So my my elective practice, you know, about 95% spinal surgery. So that includes, you know, degenerative conditions, or leg pain, back pain. But we also do calls, so we basically deal with the whole spectrum of spinal pathology from infection, um, tumors, trauma, and et cetera. And I also do cranial call, and I do, you know, two to three weeks of cranial call a year. So we deal with brain tumors and, you know, head injuries and things like that. Um, I just started my practice actually nine months ago, and I was very lucky to be able to come back to where I trained uh, to become a neurosurgeon. And it's been a very interesting journey so far. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about why you chose neurosurgery to be more specific. Why did you choose spinal surgery? And what was your journey like in medical school that led you to making those choices? No, for sure. It's actually, I knew before medicine that I wanted to do something procedural, something with my hands, but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. And as a, as a you know, first year or second year medical student, you don't even know how to read a blood pressure, you know, numbers. You don't even know how to put that. So how do you decide what kind of surgery you want? And for me, it was really by chance, I think neurosurgery found me. And, and it's, it's an interesting story because when I was in the, when I was a first year medical student, I wanted to look for a research project 
um, for the summer. And I went to this speed dating for a research supervisor event at the BC Children's Hospital. And that we met, I went with all kinds of specialties, you know, general surgery, neurosurgery, pediatrics. And, and this pediatric neurosurgeon and I just kind of clicked and we started working together. We were very productive. Uh, when I was a medical student, we published a few papers. He introduced me to the OR, what neurosurgery was all about. And, and from there, I knew that, you know, this was my calling and it, it's a tough specialty, but, but the impact that you could have on patients uh, was tremendous. And you're often dealing with the most, the sickest patients in the hospital, and and that really you know drove me and motivated me, and and that's how I went about choosing neurosurgery, spinal surgery is because I chose spinal surgery. I didn't make that decision probably until PGY two, um, and that's because you know in spine surgery we, in the most part, we are quality of life surgeons. So when we do an operation, it's elective, and we really make a significant impact on the patient's quality of life. You know, there's certain condi- a lot of conditions in neurosurgery, such as brain tumors, for example. The, the survival is not qu- it's not very long, and but in spine surgery, the quality of work that you do today can make a huge difference. You know, decade, two decades down the road for the patient. So, and because of the increasing technology and you know, you know different different approaches and, uh, and surgical techniques available in spine surgery, that kept things interesting for me. So, and that's why I chose uh, spinal spinal neurosurgery. Yeah, that's very cool. So how did you sort of set yourself up for matching with CARMS? And how would you do that if you had to do it all over again today? Yeah, I, you know, we my, my medical school class is very talented. And, you know, I've always felt lucky that I got in. I always feel like I slipped into medical school. I don't know with my credentials how I was able to get into medical school. But, you know, I think one mistake that medical students make is not making a decision on what they want to do. And it's too late. So for example, if for example, if someone wants to do dermatology, but they're not they weren't really sure in first year or second year, and it was not until third year they decided to go into to want to go into such a you know specialized and competitive specialty, it's almost too late because you haven't had the chance to work with dermatologists, do the research, to do the things to show that you're interested in that very competitive specialty. So but it's I also understand it's very difficult to make that decision. It's often a leap of faith. But I would say to the medical students that you know, try to explore early and make a decision and and stick with it, especially if it's a competitive specialty. For me, you know, I was lucky. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I found this, you know, pediatric neurosurgeon, Dr. Ash Single at the BC Children's, and I fell in love with it. And I worked with him for basically three and a half years as, as a medical student. And I dedicated myself to the research to, you know, to, to show that I'm interested in, in cranial neurosurgery at that time. I was also very involved in leadership. I was the, you know, Medical Undergraduate Society president for UBC for for two years, you know, year one class president, things like that. So do a lot of things that shows that you have demonstrate leadership, research, um, especially if you're going to start a project on something, finish that project. People want to see that you're a finisher. You don't don't just start a project and don't finish. We want to see finishers, especially, you know, if you're applying for a surgical specialty, which is a result-orientated specialty. Um, and, but be, you know, have a, have a goal and, and, and don't meander too much, you, you know, decide what you want and go for it and meet the people that you think is going to help you along the way and, and work hard, I would say. Right. With that being said, when considering students for the residency program and taking in new residents, what kind of qualities are you looking for in these individuals? You already mentioned someone who's goal oriented uh, someone who's a finisher and someone who's a leader, but what other qualities are you specifically looking for? 
Yeah, so we, unfortunately, with COVID-19, we, we didn't have very much elective students. But, you know, my opinion may be controversial. and This is just my opinion. You know, I feel like when, when elective students come through, you know, your job is to make the resident's life easier. You're here to provide a service. You can learn. You can read a book on your own. And you can learn the pathology. Like, you're here for the two weeks you're doing your elective. You have to show you're likable so people like you, want to work with you, that they can hang out with you. Because it's long, long days and long nights in neurosurgery, for example. So they must like you. You must be helpful to, the, to them. So either being, being involved in doing consults, doing discharge summaries. Think about things that the residents don't like to do. Do it for them. You know, be helpful to the residents. You know, um, be able to think and predict what the residents or attending want and then do it proactively without being asked. Being an active observant throughout the whole process. You're in an OR, you see that this surgeon always takes a, a patty after using this equipment. So then you can start predicting what they want and show them you know what the next steps are. And that shows that you're engaged through this whole process. Um, like for me, when I was a when I was a elective student, I like obviously knowledge is important, and you should learn that on your own. To read books and read, you know, there's a lot of YouTube resources to learn about different pathologies. But when you're on service, you're there to help the team, and you can achieve that and be likable. Then you will you will get into any program you want to get in. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, and that's really great advice because I think that it not only applies to neurosurgery but also other specialties. And I think that it'll be super helpful in terms of prepping us for our electives that are coming up quite soon, actually. So thank you for that advice. Now, moving on to the realm of work-life balance. What is work-life balance like in neuro in neurosurgery? And how do you manage uh, balancing work and life with such a big commitment to all of the endeavors involved? Yeah, work-life balance is, um, it's tough. It's tough in, in neurosurgery. It's it's probably one of the hardest, as a resident, as a trainee, work-life balance is very, very difficult. You work, you know, 80 to 100 hours a week. You're on seven calls, seven 26-hour calls, and sometimes even more. Um, it is busy, and it takes dedication. You're, you're often alone at night dealing with very sick patients as a very junior resident, um, having difficult conversations with families. It's it's very tough. Even as attending, depending what kind of job you take on, if you're an academic, there's always a pressure of, you know, producing academically, you know, writing grants, you know, developing programs within within um within your within your department. You know, work life balance is what you want to be, but I think neurosurgery is quite a self selecting group and we often, you know, you know, people who go into neurosurgery are ones that are a lot of them are type A's and want to get things done, so they don't complain about the work. Um, but but it is a challenge. I have I have difficulty having work life balance myself. You know, I have two two kids, two beautiful kids, and you know the time that I'm not working, I'm spending time with them. So it's hard to develop even hobbies for yourself uh, as a new attending. Um, and I'm trying to build new programs like the ERAS program, bringing new technologies into the Foothills Medical Center. So that all takes a lot of work, and a lot of time is work after hours. So it's, it's a, but it, you make it what you want it, want it. So, yeah. So it seems like you really have to love what you're doing in order to get through that, right? You definitely for neurosurgery, especially, you must love it. And and then we often say that you must make sure you, you don't like anything else before you choose neurosurgery. Right. And with 
all the hard work that goes into this particular role and all the hard work that goes into these different programs that you're involved in, do you feel like you're being compensated well for the work that you do and the dedication that you have? Yeah, I think neurosurgery is you know, it's well, it's a well compensated specialty and there's different models of compensation throughout Canada. I would say though, 50% of graduates um, from Canadian neurosurgery programs work in the U S so the job market isn't, is, is not the best, but everybody finds good paying jobs and, but it might not be in Canada or in the, in the location in the city that they, they ideally want to live in. So that's a big caveat if you are thinking about neurosurgery, and that means that you have to write your USMLEs um, so that you can get the right visas, when you, like the H-1B visa when you go to the U.S. and be able to apply for you know, green cards and things like that. So have that planning in place throughout the residency program. Um, again, in terms of specific compensation models, it's varied. Like in certain centers, it's all salary. So every neurosurgeon gets paid the same amount regardless how many cases you do. But usually... Those programs, you know, you know, encourages research so you can dedicate a good portion of your time to do research without without compromising your income. And there are community jobs where your fee for service. So you basically do you you basically make what you do is a service based. And I would say the salary is, is very, 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 very competitive in in Canada, but even more so in the U.S., Right. And if you were to generate a specific number for how much someone could be making who just finished their residency, who just started their practice, what would that number look like? If they're working full time? Yes. Full time, like it ranges a lot. It would be like from, I would say, 500 to a million plus. You can't, it depends how hard you work. So it really depends on how, like I would say, the average median probably is around like 600-ish, I would say, but the range is very wide. It depends how much you work and, and what compensation model you have. Um, and the U.S. is probably even more. And what are the perks of neurosurgery compared to other specialties? Well, I'm a spinal neurosurgeon, so one of the perks in spinal neurosurgery is that we have the opportunity to work with industry a lot. So... Um, in spine surgery, we have always new implants coming out, new technology coming out. So we have the opportunity to collaborate with industry to develop some of these technologies for our patients. So, you know, that's not the same for a lot of the, especially the medical side of the specialties. So, but for, so that's an interesting opportunity, a partnership with industry is something very, sometimes it's frowned upon when we go through medical school, but it is a big part of being a physician is learning how to partner with industry um, and creating these new technologies. For example, in, in Calgary, we're trying to do more, we're trying to bring in ultra minimally invasive spine surgery techniques. So I'm working with industry to bring in surgery that we can do in awake patients. So do spinal fusion in awake patients. And that's never really been, it's not mainstream in Canada at all. So trying to, trying to work with industry, bringing new technologies. Other perks is, you know, we have the meetings that we go to in neurosurgery is, is amazing. Um, a lot of the U.S. and U.S. and Canadian national meetings, they're very well attended. You meet you meet your colleagues, your your partners, collaborators from all over the world, and I think that's what, what what's one of the fun you know the, the funnest part of being a neurosurgeon is going to these conferences, sharing ideas, and then making new friends. And you know, and as an academic neurosurgeon, I do that a lot, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds really great. So then, are there any downsides that you would say exist for 
specific career path? Well, the downside is that your patients are, it's, they're, they're sick. You're, you're on, you're on call, you know? So when you're on call, it's not like, like rheumatology or dermatology where you can always wait to, for them to come in the following week to see you. You, it's really, you have an emergency, you're there in the middle of the night to, to do a craniotomy for a brain bleed, for example. So, and you're dealing with sick patients. So from that perspective, you don't have much leeway. So when you're on call, you're really busy. You're not really sleeping. You're, you're fielding calls from all over, you know, all over Southern Alberta, at least in Calgary. Um, there's always issues with resources. You know, you want to try to build a program. So how do you get your department to fund nurses um, or patient navigators? How do you apply for, how do you get money to buy, buy new equipment to do more innovative surgeries? I think these downsides are apply to all other, you know, procedural-based um, specialties. But those are some of the challenges I have is human resources and getting the, getting the funding to do things that you want. And that's really unfortunate because funding seems to be an area where a lot of clinician scientists seem to struggle and face as a challenge as well. And I think that becomes an even bigger challenge when you're in a phase of wanting to reinvent yourself and sort of challenge the existing science. So in one of my previous podcasts, actually, one of the interviewers mentioned the importance of reinventing yourself every few years, just so you don't get bored, just so you can keep things fresh. Is that a possibility in neurosurgery? And if so, how is that possible? Definitely. Yeah. And especially in, in spinal neurosurgery, I think I just started practice nine months ago, so I'm, I'm trying to invent myself currently and um but you're right every 10 years you try to reinvent yourself and depending on your interest that could be many different ways you could take on more administrative leadership roles for example trying to become your division head program director for your residency program or in this in our case a spine program for example um but i think you're right i think it's very easy um, for any physician or any, you know, any specialty to become stagnant in what you do. You, you know, the, the hope is that if you're still doing the exact same procedures when you retire, then as when you were learning, a, you learn the same procedures in residency, then you probably did not really push the field enough. So in Calgary, we have a really great group of 13, you know, orthopedic and spinal neurosurgeon. We're all constantly trying to invent ourselves. Um, the Calgary Spine Program is one of the few centers around Canada where we're doing a lot of, a lot of anterior and lateral-based uh, spinal surgery, and that's very unique. And this is a center that did not do that before, and we invented ourselves, reinvented ourselves to do that. And I think for my, me personally, I'm pushing the envelope in terms of doing awake surgeries and percutaneous um, fusion surgeries for spinal, for, for spinal conditions. So just trying to build, bring new technology, and, and I'm building that ERAS program that's I talked about. So always thinking about what's next is very, very important to any specialty. And I would advise that for any up and coming medical students to always have a long-term vision. And I tell, I tell people that, you know, if you're applying for a job, if you can tell them, you know, if you have three of these three qualities, you can find any job. That is, if, you, if you're applying for an academic, center, academic position, for example, you can tell them, this is the research I've done before. These are my track record. Hire me, and I have these three or four questions that I want to answer. So developing a research program. Secondly, build a clinical program. So what unique skill sets are you bringing to this program? How are you going to make you know, this program you know, better? You know, like you say, reinventing yourself. How are you going to bring like a clinical program, whether that for me is an ERAS program or a wake surgery? And thirdly is education. So how can you educate the next generation of, um, of, um, of practitioners. So if you can 
in your job talk, identify these three things, then there is a good reason for that department or division to hire you because you really hit the three most important points for academic you know, medicine. So, And try to think about that as you're going through medical school and residency and how you can, can achieve those three goals. Then you'll be very successful. One last question for you. If you could give any piece of advice to current medical students or individuals who are kind of growing within the medical field, what would that be, whether that's related to medicine or life in general? Well, I think, I think we're all, everybody who's in medicine is very intelligent, very passionate, very smart. I think the biggest advice is having a focus, you know, writing down your objectives and having a focus and go for it. You know, as I mentioned before, the, the biggest mistake I've seen people is, to, is not making a decision. I want people to make decisions early on so that you can work towards that goal. Um, and then that may that be research, community involvement, you know, leadership from an administrative perspective. Do something that you're passionate about, but make a decision and, 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 then, and then have a targeted approach, I would say. Awesome. So that's amazing. And that's a wrap for today. So thank you, Dr. Yang, so much for being on the show and being so candid with your responses. As challenging as medicine can be, I think it makes things a little bit clearer when individuals like you with so much experience and knowledge are willing to be transparent and so open about the challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis, as well as things like financial compensation. It was so wonderful to have you on the show and thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, no problem. Pleasure to be here. And that wraps up our third episode of Medic Math. I hope that you learned a little bit more about neurosurgery, and I hope that you continue to support us by following us on Spotify and also following us on Instagram at MedicMathOfficial. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye.